Live from the Great White North, this is the Canadian Investor, where you take control of your own portfolio and gain the confidence you need to succeed in the markets. Hosted by Braden Dennis and Simon Belanger. Welcome back to the Canadian Investor. My name is Simon Belanger. I'm joined by my co-host Braden Dennis. Um, this is actually take two of this recording. Uh, we had some technical issues uh, yesterday and it was a complete uh, beep show. Um, so we had to redo it because if not, it would have taken uh, forever to do. Um, so yeah, welcome back. Uh, today we'll talk about the cash flow statement. After that, we'll talk about the Canadian company Cargo Jet. Um, if I remember correctly, they're from Mississauga, and um, we'll finish off with our tip of the day. Uh, Braden, how's it going in Toronto? It's good, man. You mentioned that this is the second time recording this episode. That is true. This is Groundhog Day. We gave it a shot yesterday, but we had, you know, we had the whole thing. We had the dogs barking, the uh, fire truck whizzing by my house, the internet going out, my computer crashing. So here we go. Um, <laughs> it's the second period, but we're gonna we're gonna finish strong here. It's good to be here. We're gonna talk about the free cash flow, the cash flow statement in general. Uh, yeah, a darling out of Mississauga, Ontario, Cargo Jet. That stock's been on an absolute tear recently. So Simon and I are gonna give our take on it. Talk about the actual fundamentals, and then we're gonna give our tip of the day, uh, which is a fun one. Uh, if you read any of Peter Lynch's books, which I recommend people should, he talks about this all the time, and I think it's kind of fun too. Do you want to kick it off with the with the cash flow statement? And explain, you know, why we talk about the metric free cash flow so often. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, I'll explain why we never shut up about the cash flow statement, and uh, there's a good reason for that. So. As you guys, you're probably listening, either if you're getting into investing or you have a bit of experience, um, you'll notice when you see headlines, they tend to talk about earnings. It's always about earnings. Uh, problem with earnings is oftentimes they can be a bit misleading. So it's really important to not only look at the um, statement of earnings, uh, the sales, the net profit, growth profit, all of that, but it's also important to look at the cash flow statement. So when you look at the cash flow statement, you essentially get the net income, so the net profits, and then you add back in some non-cash items that were deducted in your um, in your earnings, so as uh, as cost basically so type of things that are added back in is uh, one of the easy ones to wrap your heads around it is uh, take for example a real estate company so they own real estate whether it's uh, apartments for example um, well those apartment buildings they have to record depre depreciations on those problem with that is it's usually not necessarily a reflection of reality for real estate uh, REITs or real estate companies uh, but for other types of business as well even though the, it may be warranted that they reduce the value of the actual assets well it's actually not a cash charge so even though it's deducted as an expense in the um, in the earnings it actually is put back in the cash flow statement so that really that 
that shows you a bit more at the cash flow statement. The purpose of it is actually to show you um, exactly what's coming in and out in terms of cash for the company. So you'll have the cash from operating activities. Um, there's a bit more to that and Braden can elaborate a bit more on that. There's the uh, cash flow from investing activities and cash flow from financing activities. So the one metric uh, Braden and I tend to look at and talk a lot about on the podcast is free cash flow. So free cash flow, you just end up taking the cash from operating activities and you subtract uh, capital expenditures. So the capital expenditures will actually be, um, you'll see that amount in the cash flow from investing activities. Um, you'll either see it as capital expenditure. Um, a lot of people refer to it as CapEx or you might see it as well as purchase of property, plant, and equipment. So those are usually the things that you'll see. So when you take the cash flow from operating activities, you subtract the capital expenditure, and that'll give you your free cash flow. Um, that's really important because it gives you a good idea of what cash is left after that and what the company can actually pay out as dividend or use to reinvest in the business or buy back shares. Um, that's another use that uh, we've seen a lot of companies do in recent years. That's a great summary. So let's let's break it down for what it is. Okay, so the reason we're talking about free cash flow and some people are like, oh, I already know about free cash flow, but a lot of people don't. And some people go years of investing with only looking at net profit or net earnings on the income statement um, before they realize free cash flow is a very useful metric. So we're going to help some people leapfrog that discovery by talking about it now. Okay, so let's break it down for what it is. Free, the word free. Think of it as I am CFO, CEO of company X, and this is the money that I am freely able to use to allocate in the business. And there's three kind of branches you can think about how a company can allocate money with free cash flow. So number one, reward shareholders by paying a dividend. So that's why you hear Simon and I talk about what's how much are they paying out compared to free cash flow. So that'll get an idea of you know how safe the dividend is. So they can, one, pay a dividend. Two, buy back stock. We've seen companies do this a lot in the last decade. Number three, invest back in the business. So this could be, you know, this branch leads to a myriad of, of a million different decisions on how they want to allocate capital back into the business. But those are the three main ones. So in summary, reward shareholders with dividends, two, buy back stock, or three, invest back in the business. So why is that important? Right. If we look at the actual formula, let's break it down. So it is operating cash flow minus capital expenditure. But let's break that down even further. What is operating cash flow? So the start of the cash flow statement is actually net income. So the bottom of the income statement is the top of the cash flow statement. So we got net income. And then what we're going to do is we're going to unravel all of the weird accounting that happens on the income statement because let's think about it. Think about your own bank account, right? Why would you not include some of these things like capital expenditure? Or why would we 
include things that are not real cash transactions like depreciation. So what we're going to do is we're going to take net income, we're going to add back depreciation and amortization because those never should have got subtracted anyways. Sure, we want to account for them as, you know, manufacturing plants and, and real estate depreciate in value, you know, put that on the book, sure, whatever. But there's no real cash transaction from that happening. So we're going to add back depreciation. We're going to add back amortization. We're going to add back the changes in cash and the changes in your uh, inventories and merchandise that you have on the books. We're going to adjust for all that stuff that is not a real cash transaction. And then after that, we have operating cash flow. And then we're going to reduce capital expenditures. Why would we do that? Okay. Well, let's think about it. If you own your home and you're, you know, looking at all the money you're able to invest back in the business or or invest in your brokerage account, sorry, and you have some kitchen renovation that you, you need to do or something, you know, why would that not be included in terms of the actual cash, the free cash they're able to then go invest later or or do what you, whatever you wish with it. That is the actual amount of cash they're able to use. So think of free cash flow like that. Now I will say one more thing. The reason earnings is useful for a screening perspective is because it's more predictable because if company A has some big investment in property, plant, and equipment, which is the same as capital expenditures, it's easier for us to look at it because it's more predictable, you know, so you might be screening out really, really good companies because free cash flow was, you know, down a bunch last year. So it goes up and down more, but the the long-term trend is very important, but not very useful if you're screening on, you know, did their free cash flow increase more from last year? You're going to miss out on a bunch of great businesses. So, and the reason for that is primarily because of capital expenditures. So think, think, of, think of free cash flow as just kind of how I summarized it earlier. The amount of cash that the business can truly use to grow or reward shareholders. Yeah, yeah, and that's exactly how you should see it. And you'll see that some businesses, they actually are not – you know, they'll fee, be free cash flow negative, but they'll still buy back shares and they'll still pay a dividend. Well, how can they do that? Well, usually it's pretty simple. They're boring to do with it. So it's one thing if it's like a one-off for a year, but if it's something that's consistent with that business, um, that should raise some red flags for you. And I mean, if you're invested in those type of businesses and you've been for a while, uh, you've probably been hit pretty hard by the recent downturn, unfortunately, because those businesses are being exposed, um, usually because they have too much debt. Um, so that's something to to keep in mind. And the free cash flow is so powerful because it shows you a true picture. If the company didn't want to borrow, didn't want to do anything else, well, their business is still sustainable and they can reinvest in the business. They can still potentially pay a dividend. They don't always need to pay a dividend. Um, it's still a good thing to have uh, free cash flow regardless. Um, and keep in mind, too, that you can have a business that will be... Um, that will have negative earnings, so negative profit, but then they'll actually be free cash flow positive. And you'll see that the opposite as well. So you'll have a business that you'll be like, oh my God, they're doing 
awesome profits, they're doing great, and then you look at their cash flow statement, and you're like, oh, well, look at that. It's not as really as rosy as I thought it was. Well, that's because it's a lot easier to put, to let's say, play around in the earnings, um, in the income statement, than it is in the cash flow statement. Cash flow statement tends to give you a much clearer picture of what's going on. Um, the income statement is really good too. You should always look at both, um, especially obviously sales, you want to look at that. Um, but there's certain things in the income statement that you should always be careful and definitely use that income statement with the uh, cash flow statement when you do your analysis. That's a great summary. So let's switch gears to cargo jet ticker CJT traded on the Toronto Stock Exchange. It got absolutely pummeled as the market fell uh, it fell 40%. And then, boom, since March 18th, the stock is up 87%. So it has came come back in a major way. Year to date, the stock, you know, everything else is down pretty much in 2020. And this stock's up 35%. Uh, let's give you some more numbers on how well this has done. Since it's IPO'd in 2011, Cargo Jet is up over 1,500%. This has been an incredible performer for shareholders. Um, it would have been a pretty small company when they first IPO'd, but they're still not that big now. So I, I love companies in this little sweet spot of $2 billion in market cap, really gaining some momentum, but lots of room for growth. Let's throw some more numbers at you. I know this is a podcast, and you're probably like, ah, can you repeat those? But here we go. Uh, so from an earnings multiple, it's really not helpful to look at it because uh, the stock did earnings wise did not do great in 2019. So you're like, oh, it's 158 times uh, multiple and and on trailing 12 months, but that's not helpful. It's about a four times sales multiple in terms of valuation. Uh, they have grown the dividend at around 10 percent a year. I see. Um, earnings went way down uh, in 2019, so payout ratios in, inflated again. It's honestly way more helpful to look at this stock from 2018 numbers. Um, revenue growth, you're looking at high double digit, like, like 17%, 50% in 2014, and then went down a little bit. So I'm going to give let Simon give his quick take on it as well before I talk about the most important thing to discuss when you're talking about cargo jet and that is their relationship with big bad amazon yeah so cargo jet just to give you guys a bit more of an idea so they like it kind of they have a pretty good name if you ask me so it explains pretty quickly what they do um so they actually do overnight i think most of their business is actually overnight shipping through um to jets obviously so they have uh um, relationships with all the major airports so they have uh, well relationship I mean they they go from all the major airports in Canada east to west um, like Braden just said they actually have a pretty close relationship with Amazon I know it's not their only client uh, and unfortunately they don't disclose what percentage of their business is allocated with Amazon and all the other clients they're not obligated to do so. Um, I wish they did. Some companies do say it, uh, which are 
which one is their major clients, what percentage of the business. Um, but they do a lot of business, obviously, with them. And it's a good company if you want a bit of the uh, online e-commerce play. Um, so what's going on right now. So for them, it'll definitely be, I think, a tailwind. Um, I know reading a bit of uh, press releases that they um, have gone out recently. They haven't gone too much into detail about COVID-19, but it was a top priority for them for the uh, health and safety of their employees. Um, I know one other thing is that for the most part, they're not unionized, but I think they're pilots. If I remember correctly, I saw that they just, um, they have a uh, bargaining contract until 2023. So that's, that's good because it gives them a bit more certainty. Um, there's definitely probably going to be a bit more cost for them related to COVID-19. However, they may benefit from lower gas prices because jet fuel is very dependent on that. Um, so that might be a good thing for them where their costs will go down a bit. Um, however, I don't know how much they've edged in the past for gasoline or for fuel, uh, jet fuel. Um, so that is one thing they might have had contracts that go beyond, you know, right the next couple months to guarantee a price. But if they can benefit from the lower gas prices, uh, lower jet fuel prices, it could be good for them. Um, in terms of the numbers, it is going up at, uh, I think, high single digits every year. Um, so I don't know in terms of what they're forecasting. My inkling is probably that management will pull guidance when they come out with their next uh, earning uh, report, which is pretty standard for pretty much anyone, any business that's uh, that's open or any type of publicly listed company right now. So that's a brief overview on it. I might add a few more things after Braden's done, but uh, you can go ahead, Braden. Yeah, sure. So uh, the company's been firing on all cylinders. Uh, it does get annoying in your analysis when q4 of 2019 uh they lost 33 cents a share so it kind of throws off a lot of the numbers when you're doing your typical analysis on on the story you're looking to see but i I promise you if you look deeper uh you know this company has been on a tear and the stock has been also on an incredible tear so let's talk about the relationship with amazon so in 2019 amazon purchased 9.9% of the company uh, because there's regulation around if they own 10%. And with that 9.9% is like, you know, an, an agreement that they can buy another 5% in a few years if they meet some amount of volume of goods uh, moved for Amazon. And, you know, that's kind of how this, the deal is structured. And why this is important is they are a logistics company, and we have seen that Amazon, Bezos is not afraid to just cut out middlemen. I used to FedEx got absolutely slashed last year uh, when Amazon said we can do it ourselves. So to be able to have that tie with directly with CargoJet in terms of you know their interest being in the success of CargoJet is really, really important. And as an investor, I, it feels good when you know that most of their business or a lot of their business is coming from Amazon, uh, which is not surprising at all. So when I look at this company, it says airline on it. When you look at the stock, uh, it's, it's an airline. Yes, they operate airplanes, 
but this is a transportation logistics company. Uh, it is not a, you know, let's uh, get on a, a plane to Mexico type airline. This is a logistics company. So when you're comparing other companies in this space, we're talking about, you know, CN Rail, CP Rail, TFI International uh, in the States, XPO Logistics, you know, all, all those companies. So I really like that space. They've all been tremendous performers. They got stable cash flow, dividend aristocrats, dividend growers. The numbers are great. I really like this stock. I think the valuation is quite rich and the balance sheet, uh, you know, current ratio being quite low. I think they'll be, they'll be fine though. So the end of my hot take is, man, I, I really like the stock. I don't own a position, but uh, I would be very tempted. I got a real, you know, uh, I, I think it's right in the sweet spot. The TSX has a lot of great companies in that two to ten billion mid cap uh, market cap, and man, this is this is a really good company. And the market agrees with me. It's been on an absolute tear. Yeah, and there's, I mean. Obviously, e-commerce is going to get a big boost this year overall with what's going on and people not going physically into uh, into stores. And I think for them, it's going to be a big tailwind. Um, one thing you guys will notice when you look at the cash flow statement is that they are free cash flow negative and have been for a few, quite a few years. Um, it's not something I would be overly worried about, mostly because they've been investing a lot in new uh, new equipment, new airplanes. Um, I checked their investment relations and they've been investing and buying purchasing a lot of larger uh, airplanes on their fleet so that is understandable so that's the one thing you want to look at is when it comes to capital expenditures like does it make sense as well uh, for the company to be investing in that kind of equipment and I think it does considering that their business is growing quite quickly every year their sales are increasing nicely Um, it's good to have the backing of Amazon Obviously, if they did not, and if Amazon did not have a vested interest, I'd be a bit worried because something like FedEx in the States where Amazon basically um, stead, uh, told their third-party sellers not to use FedEx. And before that, FedEx had said that they would ditch um, Fulfilled by Amazon as well. So, I mean, that's something you have to be careful because when you have such a powerful partner, if they decide to just go another way, and obviously Amazon, if they wanted, even with that vested interest, if they wanted to do their own thing, they could easily do it. So that is, I guess it's good, but it is still a little bit of a risk on my end. Um, it's a company I would definitely have on my watch list, uh, especially if you're looking to get some exposure to e-commerce and that logistics uh, space. It's true, man. Don't try to fight Amazon. Try to work with them. Everyone has lost that fight. Uh, in the last 10 years so if you if they have a vested interest in the company in your company and uh, that is definitely a good thing especially when we don't know which percentage but probably a large percentage of their volume is coming from amazon and that comes uh you know back to something you noticed as a investor yourself with don't fight the trend work with it and, you know, Canadian Tire, you mentioned, 
not picking up the slack on uh, getting fulfillment online, you're, you noticed that the website was just not working. And, uh, you know, that's just not what you want to see. So Simon has a tip of the day for you as an investor, things to be looking out for. You know, you, we can be eyes and ears on the ground. Yeah, just things. If you're looking to invest in certain companies, so our tip of the day is just, you know, keep an eye out for those companies. There's a lot of companies that you deal with on a daily basis that are publicly listed. Uh, probably a lot of them are listed in the States, but regardless, they're still listed and they're still public companies um, so I noticed recently so that's a personal experience um, we moved in into a new house in January I guess our timing was actually pretty good on that before this whole lockdown started um, so we moved into a new house in January and we had to buy a lawnmower because we have a lawn and we had to buy a few things like a rake and stuff and I think a few garbage cans. Um, so the first thing we looked, we were kind of like, oh, we'll go on a Canadian Tire. So my girlfriend started to um, look. I found the lawnmower we wanted. She had a few more things in the cart and she just couldn't check out, could not manage to check out. So we tried three days in a row. Same problem. The last day, what started happening is they had a notice on their website saying, oh, we're not taking any orders online, but give us a call and we'll take your order and then you can come and pick it up. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not like not calling someone. First of all, like like the guy, you know, they're probably people that are not necessarily super knowledgeable for all their products so how the hell am i going to explain which one i want um it's not very convenient so we essentially at that point we're like screw this um we decided to just go on home depot the order went through right away we found what we were looking for within a week um, they had received our items at the store we went over picked it up Took about half an hour, just waited in our car. They came and um, just dropped it off in our car, and we were good to go after that. And it really goes to show that Home Depot, I, that I was aware of, they invested a lot in the past five years in their online present. And you can tell that they did because it's much smoother than Canadian Tire. So... Uh, personally, I know we talked about Canadian Tire in a previous episode. We were already lukewarm on them. Um, if I was even closely considering them, this is the one thing that would never, like, even I don't care how cheap they are, I would not invest in them based on that. This brings me back to One Up on Wall Street by Peter Lynch, and he talks about look around, you know, in the mall when you're driving around, you know, which which companies do you see doing things right versus companies you see clearly doing things wrong? And I mean, if I, 10 years ago, walking into an Apple store, you're like, whoa, this place is crushing it. Um, yeah, that stock's done outrageously well, grown to, you know, the largest company in the world there for a while. I think Microsoft passed them by like a little bit in market cap. Um, so yeah, do some research beyond just financial statements. I have done some some sneaky things before. I have called investor relations. Go on their website. Go on investor relations. Do you have a burning question? Send an email to like investor relations at company.com and this will be on their website. They have to. If they're publicly listed, by law, they have to have some sort of ability for investors to ask questions. So it is unbelievable the amount of information you can find out 
And I have, true story, been replied to by the CEO themselves of a company I'm invested in. So, you know what? You can definitely talk to the people you need to talk to. So don't be afraid to do some research beyond, uh, you know, the typical stuff. And I think this kind of reconnaissance work is kind of fun. Uh, I enjoy it. And it gives you some confidence because if you don't truly understand the business, how are you going to react when it goes down in a major way? If you don't understand the business, the ins and outs, when, when the market goes down wildly, you're going to panic sell because you're going to think they know something that you don't instead of probably the correct thing to do, which to be buy more. But how are you supposed to know that buying more is the correct thing to do when you don't truly understand the ins and outs of the business? So that's our uh, recommendation for the day. Get creative when it comes to research and it can definitely be a ton of fun. Thank you so much, everyone messaging me on Instagram, saying they love the podcast, uh, the emails. Love it. It's great. Simon and I appreciate it a lot. Go rate it on five. Go rate it five stars on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen. We appreciate that quite a bit. GetStockMarket.com. I'm about to update the list. Get all of the companies there I'm looking at in the Canadian U.S. markets. Every metric that you could think of from a screening perspective is there. And uh, you also get some content written by myself, Braden, uh, on a regular schedule. So you can go to GetStockMarket.com. And we will see you guys potentially next week. I have to move, so maybe it'll be a later in the week episode. And uh, we will catch you guys next week. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. I have some awesome news for you if you're already on Twitter. If you're not, well, it's definitely time to join because we've created the official Canadian Investor Podcast. You guys can follow us at CDN underscore investing, all lowercase. Our goal with this Twitter account is really to engage with you guys even more. We love when you guys reach out to us and ask us questions, and this will make it even easier for you to do so. So if you don't already have Twitter, there's no better time to create an account. So go on Twitter, create your account, and then just give us a follow at CDN underscore investing. The Canadian investor is not to be taken as investment advice. Braden or Simone may own securities mentioned on this podcast. Always make sure to do your own research and due diligence before making investment decisions. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Canadian Investor. To get a list of the top Canadian dividend stocks right now and other valuable investing resources, go to GetStockMarket.com.